0: Welcome back to your favorite podcast, I Hope, The Weird, where each week we regale you with tales of the uncanny, the unexpected, and the unexplained. I'm giving you a very formal introduction this week just because I felt like it. So there's no mention of Gilboa Foods or jetpacks or anything, just a very normal introduction to a podcast. I could be part of
1: the Parcast Network. And my co-host is... Oh. Oh. Oh, I'm allowed to talk now? Well, that was a boring entrance to the show. Hey, folks, welcome to the weird. I hope you've stuck around after that long ramble through the weeds of disparity. Ugh. I hope your uh, story is better this week than that opening. Woo-wee. Jetpack. You know, it's moments like this
0: that I truly believe that deep down inside you're a terrible fucking person.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you that. My core is rotten. It's not, there's not even a core there. It's an empty vacuum of space. Uh, yeah, it's, it's another dimension. It's, it's so a black rotten. hole. It is a black hole. Well, Dan, I'm super fucking happy to be here. How are you doing? Uh, you you were complaining right before we got on air. Is it on air when you're podcasting? Uh, but the heat.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, it's very hot. My house is still not set because I can't move my recording studio down to the basement till the basement's finished. So right now I'm stuck in a spare room upstairs. A lot of international people will know the Celsius. So it's about 35 Celsius in this room.
1: And so that's what? 90 oh my god it's 35 degrees celsius in your room it was earlier well why sorry you don't have air conditioning we do but there's boxes all over the them i'm going to move them next week it's because we're having a heat wave
0: and it's horrible and i was listening to the news on the way here and there's like all these floods and fires everywhere and still we continue to do nothing about climate change we do little things when we need to do big things and i'm not going to preach about that because that's not the nature of the
1: cast but Oh my God, we are a doomed race. Yeah. Well, maybe you can cheer us up with your story this week. I have no idea what you're doing, so watch this. It's going to be super depressing. It's not, actually. It's just super puzzling. Okay. Like good. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, I just took a, a big swig of my very generous glass of lemonade. I needed it. Oh, that looks really good. It's frosty, and my new fridge, which is finally here and installed,
1: makes crushed ice. Oh, that's nice. So I feel very glamorous. I feel like I'm at a steakhouse. Well, I cheers you with my uh, iced tea. Who doesn't want to feel like they're at a steakhouse,
0: really? So Dan, I mean, you already know, because we talked about it earlier. We often don't, but this time we did the nature or the subject of my um, dissertation this week. Are you going to burst into song? What was that? That was my phone. All right, sorry. <laughs> I th- honestly, I thought you were going to start singing Rainbow Connection. I love that song. Did you ever see the Jim Henson funeral when they all sang it? Oh, it's beautiful. I've read about it. It's a very beautiful moment. I'm telling the story this week of a very famous UFO abduction. You know, earlier, uh, way earlier in The Weird's infancy, I told our listeners the story of Betty and Barney Hill. I believe which that was is- episode three. Probably, yeah, it's way back in the Wayback Machine, uh, which is probably one of the top 10. And this is another one of the top 10 UFO abductions in the world. I'm going to tell you the story of the abduction of Travis Walton. And any of our listeners out there, if you ever had a chance to see a movie called Fire in the Sky from the early 90s, starring D.B. Sweeney, who they thought would be a big thing and obviously wasn't, he didn't pan out. He did not. He was in that movie and it was the story of this of Travis Walton okay. which is what I'm going to tell you tonight but the movie deviates a lot from what really happened as most oh, Okay. Movies do. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's not like Boys Don't Cry where they follow it very carefully. The movie Fire in the Sky really took a lot of liberties. So, uh Travis Walton. We're going back to my favorite year coincidentally which is 1975. A lot of things happened in 1975 because we've. This is, I think, the third or fourth podcast where it's been specifically 1975, and you know I love that year because it's the year of Jaws, and so much happened that year. Pringles were introduced. There was a. It was a. What big was introduced? Year. Pringles. Really? Yeah, the Potato Chip Institute International tried to sue them because they were reconstituted potatoes. They weren't actual slices of potatoes. Was that what's wrong with them? They said you can't. You can't call these potato chips because they are not. Mm. I don't like Pringles. I'll eat them, but I don't seek them out. Do you know that's no. also the year Jimmy Hoffa disappeared, 1975. Probably in a can of Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm taking you to Arizona, which is a very con- contentious state in our current political discourse. There is a young Arizona native, I've already told you, his name is Travis Walton. Mr. Walton is employed as a lumberjack and he works at the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. And what they're doing is a very interesting. Actually, they are harvesting trees because they're too, the growth of the trees are too dense. So they're harvesting weaker trees to allow the bigger, stronger trees to flourish. So they're actually doing a kind of a f- forestation
1: thing. I never pictured Arizona as having much forest. They do. It has a lot of forest. Pines and stuff, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. They, it's actually, you're, you're right on the money. It has a lot of pines, a lot of coniferous trees right now the job that Travis does is extraordinarily dangerous and he's with a crew that are working very deep in the forest it actually takes them about an hour of travel one way each day to reach the work site so the travel time alone is two hours per day on this particular day November the 5th he and six of his co-workers are finished their shift and they're a truck together, traveling to the town where they are living. And this town is called Snowflake, Arizona. I don't know why I find it funny, but that term gets thrown around so much these days, snowflake. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny there's a town called Snowflake, Arizona, where they've probably never had a flake of snow. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's important to note these men are not close personal friends at this particular time. They're coworkers. They travel together. They have that kind of bonhomie that coworkers would have, but they don't hang out together a lot. There, sure. You know, they're they're a work crew. Then probably. I don't think after spending an entire day with um, with these people, you want to spend the rest of your lives with these people. You know, your evenings and your weekends. So I think that's how it is. Mm-hmm. It's that way in theater. You know, when you're in a rehearsing for a show, and you some people want to go out for a drink after rehearsal, I never do because I'm like, eight hours was enough. Thanks.
1: Well, wait, that's how we became friends. No. Yeah. Through theater. Yeah, but not going out for drinks afterwards. Oh, no, you're right. Okay. Well, I don't drink, so that's kind of a
0: a thing right there. Yeah. You're a killjoy. (laughs) I've often been told that. They're in this truck. Um, Night begins to descend, and they see a glow on the horizon in the distance. Now, it's not uncommon for hunters to frequent that area because, like I said, it is heavily forested. So they speculate that it's probably just a hunter's camp that has some source of illumination. They're not worried about it at all. And it looks like... like um... Just a glow. Okay. There's no shape to it. It's just a glow on the horizon. like you know, Right. You know, like when you're driving and there's a car coming over the hill, but it's
1: not yet over the hill? Yes. They can see the sky illuminated a little bit not that they actually see the source of the light got it you got it you advance to the bonus round
0: oh my god as they get closer they actually discover that the glow is not coming from anything on the ground but is coming from the sky oh they're very puzzled by this and they wonder because they try to think well what could be causing this perhaps a tree has been struck by lightning and the crown of the tree is burning Mm mm-hmm And this is not an unusual sight in this area because where they are, and this is, again, uh, the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest, it has the second highest incidence of lightning strikes
1: in the U.S. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it's not a far-fetched theory. There's tons of lightning strikes there because it's flat, it's dry, and there's a lot of trees. And when they get struck, these trees, because they're denser at the crown and not at the bottom, that's what the part that burns is the crown. Fires in that area are extremely dangerous and must be extinguished immediately. So they drive closer because they figure we would better get a look and see if there's anything that we can do. Now it is then that they see that the glow that they have been observing is actually a strange saucer shape. The entire surface of that shape is glowing and it appears to be metallic. All of the witnesses noticed that the quality of the light itself is very strange and unusual and not something they had seen before. Travis himself estimated the craft to be about 40 feet long. One of the men in the truck at that point states very loudly, That that is a flying saucer. So they stop the truck. At that juncture, the men argue about what they're going to do. And it was then that Travis decides to approach the strange object because he assumes it will head away.
1: So he gets out of the truck and walks toward it. It does not move away. And it is a saucer shape? It is a saucer shape. About 40 feet in diameter.
0: Exactly. Okay. The men begin to shout urgently for Travis to get the hell back into the truck, but he continues to slowly approach the craft. As he gets close to the object, a loud noise is heard and the shape begins to move. At that point, Travis is very scared and ducks down behind a log. Now, by this time the men his co-workers are screaming at him to return to the safety of the truck at that point he stands intending to run back to the truck and finally you know obey what they're suggesting he do he feels a sudden shock travel through his entire body and he later described it as being akin to receiving a really harsh electric shock okay the men in the truck claim that he was picked up by an invisible force they witness this and thrown approximately 20 feet where he lands on his back and he is unconscious he does not move he has flown so far through the air like think 20 feet the men assume that he has been killed his friends at this point are terrified. They're afraid that they themselves will be attacked. So they urge the driver, the one of their crew members who's driving the truck, to get them the hell out of that area. He obliges, and they speed away in the truck.
1: And leaving him behind. They're scared. I would have. Yeah, no, well, um, yeah. They thought he was dead. He looked and dead. And they're not close friends with him, too. I guess. Well, it's 20 feet, and he landed on his back, and he didn't move, right? Right. Yep. No, I get it. Who are we to judge? Well, it's
0: 1975 to, in any event, he would have needed medical help and there were no cell phones. Correct. As they are leaving the scene, they look behind them to see the strange object moving up and away into the sky. Now, they were later, and this is just like you,
1: heavily criticized in the media for leaving. Hold on. I'm also heavily criticized in the media? No, you are criticizing them for leaving. I was criticized once in the media. You're not following me. No, I am following you. But it's okay mom. It's okay. It's okay, mother. It's time for your nap. I'm cri- yes, they were also criticized for leaving their coworker behind. Yes, and you also criticized them for the same thing. So I know yanking your
0: tank top. I am wearing a tank top cuz I'm dying. However, Travis himself, and you can hear him say it in interviews to this day, supports the decision they made because he said they thought he was dead and they wanted to survive.
1: Right. But I mean that when I say it's easy for us to sit here and judge that or anyone to judge that, unless you're in that situation, you don't know how you're going to react and what's going through your thought process. And you're also in a fight, flight or fright mode. You're not thinking, you're just, you're reacting. So that's, that's, I I actually do understand that. And I've seen interviews with the guys, some of the guys, and they
0: say, dude, we thought he was dead. We thought he was dead. He flew up in an arc in the air and landed heavily. Right. It was a big puff of dust on the ground. We thought he was dead for sure. As they speed down the dangerous road, they see some deer hunters and try to reach them, but they cannot. Deer hunters, are in a, they're in a car ahead of them. Okay. So Mike, who is the actual driver of the car, pulls over and they argue and he says, we got to go back. Mm. But the others counter argue that it would be more prudent for them to continue on and seek help. Mike, the driver, then states that anyone who doesn't want to go back can wait on the side of the road. So the men, I guess, calm down and decide to remain in the truck and go back. They don't want to be left alone on the side of the dark road after what they've just seen, and they figure strength in numbers, so they head
1: back in the direction of the incident. Well, that speaks volumes, actually, then, to their character, I think, that once they've had a chance to calm down, to collect their thoughts, they did go back and do the courageous thing. Absolutely. 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 So they see the craft in the sky
0: speeding away and it's going in a northeasterly direction. They figure, well, the craft is gone and they, they can see no sign of Travis. So they figure, well, we, we've got to go get help. So they make it to Snowflake and they immediately seek out the help of the police. Now, the police mm-hmm. at this point are understandably very skeptical. They actually believe, ultimately, that the five men have murdered Travis. Right. And have hidden his body somewhere. So they initiated an investigation, sort of using that as their
1: guidepost. Okay, so this is interesting right off the hop. I have to say this because whenever we hear these stories, I'm like, okay, so they told a story. I was abducted. Believe me. The fact that this story enters the public record again with these guys going to the police possibly incriminating themselves in a crime that they didn't commit but still that 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 lends some credence to what they saw exactly and so the police begin an investigation designed
0: to support the theory that this these guys have killed him right and they're trying to cover it up so they deploy more than 50 men to conduct a thorough search of the area they also used helicopters to help and the helicopters conducted extensive aerial searches Neither the people on foot or the aerial aerial searchers found anything. There was no trace, nothing. At that point, they focus on one of the crew members, a guy named Alan Dallas. Mm-hmm. And he had gotten into a physical altercation with Travis a few days before the incident. And of course, the fight was over a girl. Right, right. At that point, Dallas is asked to take a lie detector test and he passes it. So they kind of scratch him off the, the list. Days pass and they can find nothing, no evidence Travis is gone. Okay, so now we're going to leave that and we're going to go to Travis. Oh. Yeah, that's what's happened on the ground after he disappears.
1: Let's find out what happened to Travis. We know this? We know this. Well, we know what he's told us. Oh, okay. This is not where I thought you were going with this. This is great. Okay. Travis begins to wake up. As he slowly regains his
0: sight, he can see a dim light above him, and he can hear movement nearby. He is in intense, excruciating pain, and he senses that something is wrong with him internally. He believes that he is, in fact, in a hospital room. Mm. He's unable to focus his eyes. He can see shapes that he believes are doctors working on him, but he can't be sure. After much blinking, his vision finally clears. And he is horrified to see that they are, in fact, hairless humanoid aliens. They are small creatures with large eyes. Mm-hmm. They are grayish white. They're clothed in orange brownish outfits. And just to give you reference, these
1: appear to be the grays that we routinely see yeah. in the UFO story. Well, and we, were ta- we talked about this in the Bob Lazar uh, yeah. episode. That's what he claimed to have seen as well in uh, Area 51, yeah. Yep, these are the famous greys. Well, once he sees
0: these creatures, he loses his mind. He begins to scream and struggles desperately to escape. He finds it very difficult to move. He finds it almost impossible to breathe. But he manages to make it to his feet. He grabs a metallic object from a table and attempts to strike one of the creatures. When they see that he's fighting, they retreat through the only door. He tries to escape. He follows them through the door and turns to the left. Now I should note that the aliens had gone to the right when they exited the door so he figured I'll go left because I don't want to run into them again. He has no idea that he is now airborne. He stumbles down a hallway and sees a chair and a number of buttons. There's also what appears to be a screen with black lines and symbols on it. Now he can't recognize the symbols and has no idea what he's looking at and he's desperately trying to find a mechanism that will open a door he touches a part of the control panel i'm going to call it that and it moves in response to his touches then suddenly a figure appears from what he can see the figure is human Mm. it is dressed in blue coveralls with a helmet it has long hair and appears to be a man. The man motions for Travis to follow him. Travis does so and they move through a narrow passage. Travis notices that at this point the air is cooler and much easier to breathe. The strange individual urges Travis to come forward again and he seems to be in a bit of a hurry. Travis has speculated later that at this point the craft was in a larger ship or perhaps a building. So a hangar of a ship or hangar that's actually a building. So no longer in the original ship. He thinks he's in something larger. He exited it when he was following the aliens. Oh. Yes. Oh. So he's... That ship is inside of a bigger ship or hangar. Oh, interesting. So Travis tries to engage the man because he believes he's a man in conversation, but the man does not answer. The figure ultimately takes him into a room and there are other similar human figures there. The figure then leaves Travis alone in the room with the other humans and Travis begins to ask them questions, but they, too, refuse or just do not answer. They motion for him again and again to lie down on a, on a table. He resists because he is absolutely terrified. Finally, they force him down onto the table. He said that they were incredibly strong. And one of the humans, who is obviously female, administers an anesthetic through a breathing mask. And he is once again rendered unconscious. Hmm. When Travis comes to, he feels cold air on his face. He sees a light above him that is slowly retreating into the darkness. He looks around and realizes he is back in the field where he was originally taken from. And he doesn't realize it yet, but he has been away for five days. Oh, my. His clothes are on backwards. He then gets up and manages somehow to travel six miles on foot to an Exxon station, which is along the highway. It is there that he finds a phone booth, and he immediately phones a friend. Because of the panic that is evident in his voice, the operator decides to listen in on the call. I love that. Just busybody operator. Yeah, the olden days. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, hmm, I'm just going to listen on this one. (laughs) She becomes alarmed when she hears what he has to say and contacts the sheriff. So the friend that he's talking to hears that travis is in trouble retrieves his brother and they come to collect him in the car and they bring travis to his mother's house so later that night officers at the behest of that nosy operator arrive at the location of the phone and they dust there's three phones there and they dust them all for prints for fingerprints the story of his experience makes it into the media and they descend on him and on the town how did it how did it make it to the media his uh, friend told a friend right. his mother told a friend it was you know i told two friends and i told two friends it was that it okay. was just word of mouth and the whole and it spread and kaboom it's in the papers and all of a sudden every ufo aficionado in the world is there he's given a lie detector test which he fails oh yeah but i would know that he goes on to be given and he In one of his interviews, he said he's been given about 50 lie detector tests since the abduction. He's only failed one, that one. And that's also corroborated. There's other times that he took lie detector tests that he passed with flying colors. So I don't know how much credence we can give to lie detector tests, right? Mm -hmm. He has also given a drug screening test and no traces of drugs are found. He's also given a full battery of medical tests. This includes blood, urine, and even an EKG, and no irregularities are identified. At this point, skeptics argue that he has fabricated the whole story and that he was actually hiding for the five days in the wilderness. Other folks believe that what he experienced is something called transitory psychosis, where you're, you know, for a certain period of time, you become psychotic. You were in a psychotic state. However, psychiatric tests that he was subject to reveal that there are no signs of such an event. And that theory cannot account for the other people in the truck also seeing the craft. You don't have, you know, a a number of people all experience transitory psychosis at the same time. I want to stress the fact that Travis never sought the media out. Okay? Okay. At all. He's actually... At that point, very hesitant to talk about it. He's not a super outgoing guy. There are lots of interviews on the internet with him. And you'll see he's, he's a very blunt, factual kind of guy. But he's not a super outgoing guy. Mm-hmm. Like Bob Lazar. Yes. If you actually ask Travis what he thinks happened to him, he speculates that he stumbled across aliens that were investigating Earth's environment. What he thinks happened was he was rendered unconscious by their equipment. It was an accident. Yeah. And so when they saw what happened, they took him on board their craft to make sure he hadn't sustained permanent injuries. Now, this is where the waters start to muddy a bit. Since that famous abduction, he's seen other UFOs. And he believes that this is because he lives in a remote area with very clear skies. I should note, there's been a lot of UFO sightings in Arizona especially in this area because the sky it's flat and the skies are super clear, right? So, you can see everything
1: and potentially close to
0: some of those bases, right? Exactly. One of the most well-known incidents involving Travis is when he saw a black triangle in the night sky. And the triangle had a light at, at each of the three points. And others that were with him saw that object and other people in the area also saw that object the people that he was with at the time were his son and his girlfriend and they claimed that they all experienced missing time as a result of that because i was gonna say maybe that was like the b2
1: bomber right the flying wing that looks like a triangle
0: and it kind and what he drew kind of looks like that right that's an evil looking craft by the way you see that b2 bomber and you just think
1: that's evil it's a sky full of evil. Well, no, but it, I mean, the losing time is that's different. But I suspect with a lot of these UFOs that people are seeing that they might not be extraterrestrial, but military new military equipment. Now, where do they get that from? Well, that's another story. If you believe Bob Lazar, it is extraterrestrial. Folks, after, after Rudy was abducted, we did an investigation
0: and we found out that what he fact saw was a Segway
1: there we go a segway can you imagine that's what the aliens were getting around on. i just oh. bought a, a product from segway what is it a scooter oh no a powered scooter like they have downtown oh, i knew it you're going to end up in one of those leather clad scooter gangs you fit in with your tattoos you would leave the tattoos alone and you're gonna change you're gonna lose all your friends you're gonna start hanging out at the scooter bars oh I've seen this story play out before and it ain't pretty too bad you know, you're not the boss of me I'm gonna do what I want I'm gonna run with the cool crowd and I'm gonna
0: drink gin and tonics and have a real good time
1: <laughs> i did it perfect (laughs)
0: Uh, okay so after the incident where they lost some time because they saw the black triangle in the sky Mm -hmm. his girlfriend who was pregnant at the time noticed that she had a weird mark across her stomach so she immediately sought out medical help and had an ultrasound and they were shocked to discover that the fetus was gone
1: oh that's weird and this was she was confirmed uh-huh. As being pregnant by medical doctors uh-huh. prior. Okay.
0: Why do you sound like this? Why are you living in a tube?
1: Because I I, I uh, had a little air bubble. My
0: name was Dan Lajoie, and I, live in- I
1: had a nice pasta with sausage and it gave me uh, an air bubble there uh, as I'm digesting my... How can you eat pasta and sausage during heat wave? That's like winter food. It was a, a nice light olive oil based... Sauce? Like, it wasn't like a heavy cream sauce. I'm getting cramps just talking about it. We had salad the other night. There you go. That's appropriate.
0: Travis believes that governments are aware of extraterrestrial activity, so he supports that camp. Sure. So in 1986, he was approached to make a movie about his experience, which was eventually released in 1993. It took six years to make, under the title Fire in the Sky. Was there a book first? No, there's a book after. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, a few little notes. That's the foundation of my story, but we're going to talk a little bit more. Now, Muhammad Ali, you remember Muhammad Ali, the, the fighter? Boxer. He had a training camp in the area around Snowflake, and he himself claimed on two separate occasions to have seen UFOs in the sky. Really? I didn't know that, and that's verified. I didn't know that either. Weird. At the time of the incident, the original incident where Travis was taken, there had been several cattle mutilations in the area that the sheriff's department was actively investigating. Mm-hmm. So you know how the things always are go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it was the typical cattle mutilation that we become familiar with, the surgically precise one. Like the ones we talked about, Skywalker Ranch. Because, you know, when I was a kid and I used to read, like, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not and all that. Yeah. And they would mention cattle mutilation. I never realized that they were
1: performed with surgical precision because the word mutilation, I think, is very misleading. You know, it's interesting in talking about this, like going back to, you know, these beings taking him aboard the ship, maybe trying to help to make sure that he's, he doesn't die it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting yourself in their shoes, right? You've got this primitive being. Uh, you don't want to hurt it, maybe because you, you're studying these things or whatever. And then this thing starts acting violently, and they're just doctors, right? They're just scientists. They're, oh, you and they get out of there. Mm -hmm. What this also reminds me of, uh, like, when you start talking about, like, the cattle and and them analyzing forests or agriculture or or wildlife. I just finished reading the book Erebus by Michael Palin, and it's about the Erebus and Terror, the two ships that were part of the Franklin expedition looking to get through uh, the Northwest Passage. In the 1840s, and they sunk. And I don't know if you remember this, but like five years ago, they were discovered on the the bed of the Arctic Ocean. That doesn't sound like a fun read. It was great. It's very interesting. It sounds dry. Well, the, so these two ships had a pretty lengthy uh, history before sinking. What is that noise? Are there people running in your house? They're my children are doing something downstairs. I can really hear it. I'm gonna yell at them. <laughs> So the, the, one of the things, because they were ships of science, they would always have a doctor on board. And one of his jobs was to collect specimens. Mm-hmm. Like, and Michael Palin writes about this. And it's actually kind of funny. But this guy murdered thousands of birds and seals oh. and like anything he could find, he would kill it and then dissect it like he would analyze the whole thing, right? And it just makes me think of these aliens in the same way that they're just doing what we've done to other animals, whether they're doing it to us by probing us or whatever, or, you know, they're taking apart cows. It's no different than what we've done for hundreds of years since the Enlightenment, you know? One time outside my house, there was a
0: pigeon who had become caught in a power line. And so one of the neighbors had called and they had come and gotten it out of the power line and has left it on the ground at the foot of the power line in some tall grass. And I went out and found the pigeon, and the pigeon had a broken leg, yeah. but it was otherwise intact. Mm. So I put the pigeon in a big box with some soft fabric in the bottom, and I brought it to the Hurt Bird Sanctuary that they have yes, here yes, in Ottawa where right, they yeah. will nurse them back to health. Yeah. And I remember getting that pigeon in the box was such a fight the thing fought me so aggressively and it hurt me a lot actually and i was scared i was gonna get sick because you know you don't know what they're carrying and it was that i just couldn't communicate with the pigeon that i was trying to help it
1: right right exactly
0: it just was going sh- sh- ape shit because it was in a foreign place in a mm-hmm. it, its world was not a box and it's like travis walton's world was not these glowing corridors. by the way yeah he said that the structure itself all of it glowed there was no source of illumination. Everything was illumination, right? Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Also annoying if you have a headache. Can you imagine? Huh. Can you imagine I'm going to go lie down in the dark. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> so the aliens that he saw, these grays, are exactly what Whitley Strieber saw, what Lazar, what everybody claims they've seen. Mm-hmm. Grays, hairless, the big black pupilless eyes. All of it, the small fingers, all of it. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of makes you think, oh, and by the way, he wasn't a UFO aficionado. What do you mean? He wasn't into that. So um, he wouldn't have been, uh, he wouldn't have had an awareness we know of, of
1: the Greys or of those legends. Because it's also 1975, and that really hadn't gained any traction yet. It's interesting that you say that, too, because, like, Lazar comes out with his claims in the late 80s, early 90s, before that movie comes out. And I'm not sure that Lazar would have been aware of that. So that, I mean, again, that's not proof, that's not evidence, but it is interesting that there's a similar uh, recounting of these creatures in multiple stories.
0: And they're all described in the exact same way. Now, Travis is still on the go. He's very much alive and he's very much on the circuit. Mm -hmm. You will see him interviewed like a thousand times. I'm sure we could get him if we wanted to get him for an interview. He still lives in Snowflake. Wow. Snowflake is now kind of a UFO town. The same way that Roswell is so that phone booth for example that he phoned from Mm -hmm. is a tourist thing that people go and take their picture at and Mm -hmm. because this is such a well-known story of abduction now the movie made it the legend the big legend that it is that's when it came out really heavily into the mainstream the movie is not like what happened to him at all uh if you see what happens in the ship it's way more detailed than what happened to him like there's these weird membranes they put over his face it's violent yes yes And if you watch afterwards, the way Travis, what Travis goes through afterwards in Fire in the Sky isn't really what Travis went through in real life. Okay. Because he's like hiding under tables crying and like really psychologically damaged. Well, Travis, the Travis Walton that I know and that I witnessed in so many of these interviews that I watched, he's kind of, like I said, he's a bit of a, he's stoic. He's a very stoic guy. He's very pragmatic. He's not an emotional person at all. He's never deviated from his story. Really, it's always been the same, okay. but he's on the circuit. If you go to a UFO convention,
1: he's probably going to be there. So that's, and that's a detractor because he is profiting big time. Big of time. Story. And he made a lot of money off fire in the sky.
0: Yeah. He's written a book and done a documentary afterwards uh, to sort of set the story straight about what actually happened to him. Okay. And I've basically precede that for you in this podcast yeah what i've just told you happened is what happened there's a lot of aftermathy stuff like about interviews that he had on this show or that show i don't really want to go into that here i don't really care what i care about is what happened to him
1: and, and i should I, I should say too because i'm not trying to sell him off of all the things that we talk about the weird stuff that we talk about on this show ufos aliens to me there's more evidence that that might actually be real than anything else so i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that he's making it up the fact that he made money off of this doesn't necessarily mean he's lying if it happened and he's telling people well and sure he's going to make money that doesn't mean he's lying but i do want to make that clear no because people who survive tragedies make money off it what's wrong with that yes
0: we don't we don't condemn them for that correct so and that's his basically that's his story he's like i said still in the area you now i've got some other interesting things that i can tell you about none of the people in the truck the members of that lumber crew would ever return to the area they at that moment said we're not going back they were in a, a contract with the lumber company uh, the lumber company let them out of the contract and they haven't profited from this story i would say some of them have you can see interviews with them okay now after the uh, after the incident they investigated the area and people discovered experts discovered that the trees in the area where the craft actually was supposedly landed mm-hmm. grow faster oh. and tree ring samples taken from around the area have actually verified this and the sides of the trees that face the landing site always exhibit thicker growth Interesting. And I've actually seen pictures. So you, they cut slices of them and show you the rings. And there's always way thicker growth on the side that would have been facing the craft. Interesting. Also, the chemical composition of the soil in the area has been altered. Hmm. Now, this is the sad part. In 2002, a fire, and there's lots of fires in the area, completely destroyed the area where the abduction occurred. Since that time, the logging road, which accesses the site, has been decommissioned by the forest forest service so you really can no longer
1: access the site unless you want a real hearty hike okay yeah can i ask you a question what is his relationship like with those guys the guys who abandoned him do they do they continue to have a friendship after or not really not really there's a couple of them that
0: don't really talk about it either there's a few that do a lot but there's some that don't as well. So he didn't cut them into the the movie, for example. Uh, I don't like think that. so. But they probably would have had some input to it and probably would have made some money off it. I don't know. Okay. Because perhaps they interviewed them in preparing the script. I'm not sure. Well, He's not super happy about the movie
1: either. Oh, okay. Well, that happens all the time. Uh, uh, d- just to go back to the Friends, though. To me, that's interesting. That basically, while they have a different vantage point for the story, it does dovetail dovetail sorry well with what his story was
0: exactly and you know what the interesting part is is that these guys are lumberjacks and when you see them yeah that's who they are yeah they're not guys who are sitting around reading books about ufos and blah 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 these are hardworking lumberjack hard life manual laborers yeah you know what i mean not into flights of fancy these are they've got their feet on the ground
1: now and, and I'm sure there's all sorts of people that go into that trade, but you're I'm sure the culture within that industry, like most other blue collar trades, doesn't look kindly upon people who tell stories like that. No, and this is also kind of the American South,
0: so you see them. They're all got the big cowboy hats, and they're they're very much a stereotype. Right? They're that guy. They're exactly what you'd expect. You know, I think one of them actually worked in Texas for a while. And yeah, they're they're what you would expect. They're just feet on the ground, plaid shirt, blue jeans, and cowboy boot kind of guys. Yeah. And these, apparently, the working conditions at these camps was extremely tough. They worked hard, long hours. Yeah. But for good money. Yeah. So... Everybody's around and Travis is still around and you can watch lots of interviews with him.
1: That's all I have. That's a, look, that's a good story. It's a little short this week, but I don't care. No, it's not that short. It That's a good... No, but that's a story that... That's too long of a story to put it into like an odds and ends... Yes. Uh, ...episode. That's a story that, that is great to tell. I love it. I love it because there's a lot of compelling suggestive tidbits in that story that make you think hmm could this actually be real
0: well and there's a lot of speculation out there about who the human forms were yeah now of course right of course there's a huge camp of people that think the military is in on it and the military are sending people humans to work with the aliens that we right. that there is a military that arm of the military where guys are recruited and sent to work with the aliens
1: well, if you believe uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, we are an alien species to this planet as well. Well, I don't believe that. No, you don't. It's a humorous book. No, but you, that's a theory he's yeah, he's capitalizing course. on from others. Yeah, of course. Uh, so,
0: I, yeah the guy, the human forms, we don't come across this a lot in other abduction stories. No. The human forms, but here's the issue there. They didn't speak with him at all. Okay, and he attempted to speak with them, and they didn't. And they could have, and they probably would have avoided.
1: What are you doing? I'm checking something as you talk. Just ignore me. I'm always doing this to support. I want to get the name of something. They probably would have um,
0: avoided a lot of heartache if they had talked to him. Like they could, yeah. they could have said, "Look, you've sustained an internal injury. We're we're here to help you. We are benign. We're not here to hurt you. Just let us do what we need to do." right so that doesn't really support
1: them being human so what were these creatures they were tall i'm wondering too if where they brought them to could have been like an area 51 like the hangar that lazar talks about Mm -hmm. where the aliens were and working with humans and people wonder that as well and why were the uniforms a different color and they were wearing helmets yeah, and did he describe the helmet? Like, is it like it's a like orange color military? Helmet. Yeah, an orange color. Okay, so maybe they were on a uh, the set of a Pet Shop Boys video shoot. Gross! I hate the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, because he always sings like this.
0: In know, Western Town, Western Girls. <laughs> Eastern boys and Western
1: Girls. My children hate when I'm trying to get under their their skin. I'll play that their boring song.
0: We were never being lonely. We were about song, 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 song. <laughs> yeah, the hate I always it. just want to say to Neil Tennant, the lead singer, can you go somewhere blow your nose? And then we'll we'll record. <sighs> oh, he's the worst like sinus voice I've ever heard, but sometimes I like their music, the music part of it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, did you know do you know the story by him? Do you know the story of him? He was an editor, an uneditor, but I think he was, yeah, no way, he wasn't an editor. He was an editor at the top sort of new wave music magazine in England in the 80s called Smash Hits. And he was watching everything that was going on in music and thought, I can do this. And so he did it. Wow. Yeah. How did he meet his partner? I have no
1: idea how they met Okay. But he was meeting like Duran Duran. and I I do like the Pet Shop Boys. Mm-hmm. Like that Go West album, which was Orange, which is where how my brain got to Pet Shop. Do you remember that case for that? Of course I do. And uh, I love them. I thought they were fun.
0: I still like the Village People original better.
1: They were fun too. Of Go
0: West. You know, the Village People, you can't touch that. It's just so weird and extravagant and yeah. unpolitically correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, really so. it truly is. It truly is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Travis Walton. So it's interesting. Like I urge my uh our listeners to go and check out an interview with him just to see how sort of blunt and stoic he is and see what kind of vibe you get off him because it's not what I expected at all. At all, at all, at all. And it actually
1: helps to make me believe that what he says is true because he's just so, you know, meh, meh, meh about it. If there's one that you like, let me know because then I'll post a link to that on our um, on our Facebook. Just find any page. of them. They're all the same. No, but it It makes it easier for our listener if they don't have to go search. There's one where he talks like for an hour and a half.
0: Oh, there's a horrible one on YouTube where the guy was trying to be creative. So he puts Travis's dialogue in the left side of your headphone and his dialogue in the right. And he's like trying to be creative and it's just the most annoying thing. Well, I thought my headphones weren't working. Right. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? So that's like, whoever did that, shame on you. Shame on you. What was that? Is that your pacemaker? Dan lies while you have hours to live. Dan, that is my
1: offering at the altar of the weird. Thank you, my friend. That was great. I really enjoyed that. It's a biggie. Well, it's funny that you did this because I was actually thinking of we need to get back into some of those. There's been such uh, so many news stories over the last few years, right? Where the Mm -hmm. American government's finally admitting, yeah, we don't know what these things are. UFOs are like the new black. They
0: are a hot topic. They have replaced like the Illuminati, like all that shit. The U-
1: UFOs are the the number one thing right now. We speak of the Illuminati. That's a, that's another one that I actually do want to cover because it may be all tied into this. Do you know that's my tattoo? But that really is. That's actually the Illuminati. Yeah, I know. Well, because yeah. I like the idea. Like, I don't believe
0: in the Illuminati and I think it's kind of weird. But I like the idea of a group of people who are like, no, science should be what you follow, not bullshit right. you know that you're right. making up in the name of religion mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of a nice thing but the illuminati it's a great myth that's why i like it too it's a great myth mm-hmm. or is it
1: mm-hmm. we should fight to see who gets to cover that one. i love like knights templar illuminati let's do that one as a two-parter i'd love to because there's an evolution right yeah. there's the knights templar the cathars and all that and stuff. you know what we can cap it all off by watching national treasure both one both parts one and two I was going to say we could cap it off by watching uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, just because it's fun. You didn't like National Treasure? I'm talking about vacation. It's fun. And then we could watch European Vacation. Did you like National Treasure with Nicolas Cage looking for stuff and clues? Christmas Vacation, where it's Christmas time in Chicago. And he delights the neighborhood children with uh, the lighting of his house.
0: Are you aware that you're a simpleton, or is it... This is just something that you just wear like a, a shawl. Maybe we could watch Alf? Oh, it's back to Alf. You actually do a very good imitation, though, of the, the guy. Alf? He, he always reminded me of a, the male version of Miss Jane from the Beverly Hillbillies.
1: He would have been a great Willie Loman. Yeah. Uh Happy get me some of that processed American cheese! <sighs> That's a terrible. I just went from really nailing... Him and now I. I and now shitting that. all over Death of a Salesman. Yeah, that was a bad
0: one. Okay, folks, we don't want to make you have to sit around and listen to our weirdness all night. That's what our spouses are for. We are very grateful for you for giving us your ears for this last 40-something minutes. Uh, we love coming to you each week with the stories of The Weird because this is the kind of stuff that I've loved all my life. Dan has too, and we love the idea that there are other people out there who love it as much as we do. I love the unexpected corners of the world. When you lift up the rugs, what's underneath? Well, that's what we deal with here at The Weird. So, Dan, you usually say, hey, share and give and look.
1: Yeah, well, look, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Search The Weird Podcast and you'll find us pretty easily. The uh, the best thing you can do for us, folks, if you enjoy listening to The Weird, is to spread the word of The Weird. Let everyone know about the show. If you have uh, an international following, boy, oh boy, thank you. Because I think it's you that's been helping us uh, get this show into... Uh, like, honestly, we have like serious listenership in about a dozen countries now. And I'm, I'm, I find that I'm touched by that because I love that. It's overwhelming, actually. And, and, and just because it means that we're speaking in a way that uh, transcends our own culture, maybe, and, and uh, in a way that is accessible to uh, people all over the world. And that is. Wonderful. Uh, so yeah, please share the word of the weird. If you, you know, I think iTunes has the ability to uh, to rate the podcast. I think a lot of people listen to us through Cast, which is uh, uh, the web service that we use to uh, to publish our episodes. But if you are on iTunes, you can give us a uh, a subscribe and rate us. The biggest thing: reach out to us, say hello. If you have show ideas, let us know what they are, and uh, we'll be happy to do them in a at a future recording. I think that your kids are running around again. They're probably playing laser tag. I'll never forget that time. They probably are. I'm not kidding. Oh, or something. They built for They really the like the laser the... tag. Oh, it's something to They're do. They're going to grow up and be those types.
0: Yeah, Emergene, yeah. Saturday night, we're going to play laser tag, and then we're going to go down to Burger King, because it's a two-for-one Whopper. <laughs> and then we're going to go sit on the picnic bench and yeah, play with my lighter. You've got my daughter downtown. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, Dan, that's it for
1: me. So, good night from Riley. Good night from me, Dan. Bye now.
0: Do you remember 1975? World full of changes and the will to survive. Though all of our dreams were just barely alive, we won't forget in
1: 1975... Tomorrow is here, the future bright and clear, a thousand possibilities and more.
0: And we struggle on, it's the storm before the calm, don't ever ask what were we fighting for. If I could hold just one moment in time, safe and protected, then I'm sure you would find Lost in my slumber and the flame never dies Now and forever,
1: 1975. Ooh.